Hello and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly-on-the-wall-style podcast about WordPress, business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plug-in author and works for Delicious Brains. And Jack runs better notifications for WP and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. This episode is sponsored by Fastspring, the full-service e-commerce solution that enables software companies to sell more, stay lean, and compete big. Find out more on fastspring.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pressing Matters. Ian, how are you doing? I'm well, Jack. Yeah, I'm good. Good to talk to you. Um, It's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we last spoke, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm doing good. How's things with you? Yeah, yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, um... I felt like I've had a really productive week, actually. Um, I, I don't know why. I've just been like, I've had like this little list of DIY things I wanted to do around the house, and I've been chipping away at that and doing quite a good job with doing it, um, which is which is great. And nothing in particular, just just little things that I've been putting off for a long time. And yeah, it's nice to be able to tick them off. I realised I was spending too many time on kind of side projects that weren't either work or spending um, time with family. Um, so in my family time, I should have been spending time with my family and instead I was doing like these little DIY things all the time, but never actually finishing them. And it was all for the benefit mm. of like, you know, our house and all that sort of thing, all improvements and everything. It's not like I don't want to spend time with my family cause I really do. But, um, yeah, they just all left over. Anyway, I've got them out of the way now and I've had loads more free time. It feels like, so that's been really great. Um, and yeah, and I've been beavering away on a few things, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute. Um, but how about yourself? What it's you... nice to clear the decks, isn't it, of things and just get, like, if you've got a list of things that are outstanding, it feels so much better just to have them done and cleared. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, it's sort of uncovering other things as well, but um, but it feels <laughs> like I'm, I'm getting through this list overall, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, but how about yourself? What have you been up to this week? Yeah, I'm good. Um, it's been a busy couple of weeks, really, since we last spoke. Um just trying to think when that was but yeah work-wise has been busy sort of side projects self pro- uh, you know own projects have been busy but um in between all of that I kind of launched another thing which was a bit bonkers because you know we've been speaking about how distractions and things that just take you away from the actual work you're supposed to be doing mm. are so easily um I'm, I'm so easily swayed by those distractions um and I guess this thing is a distraction but it's also quite a valuable thing at the same time so basically i think it was the 6th of july yeah 6th of july um i look me and ashley rich who is a a friend who works at delicious brains as well we both we launched a new um, wordpress community news site called wp content which is wpcontent.io and the and it was a really really quick thing really um like the project came about really quickly and we turned it around really quickly and the story behind it um and I know you know this but it's good to good to talk it over is mm. that a few, I think at the end of June managewp.org which to be clear was the managewp news and community website for WordPress mm. rather than managewp.com which is their um their control panel for managing multiple WordPress sites updating plugins across all of the sites one click all of that stuff that's their service that's still running but they shut down managewp.org which was a news and community site um, and i've been using that for years and really enjoyed using it to find new 
articles, posts, interesting things about WordPress, but also to post my own content and get traffic and exposure to that. Um, and as soon as I saw it, it was shut down. Um, I chatted to Ash and just we thought, let's let's try and put something out there to kind of fill that gap and get, well, basically put a news site that is driven by the community back in the WordPress space because it's it's as simple as submitting a story and then you people can upvote. It's a, it's a dig, kind of a Reddit type thing for WordPress news and um, news articles. People do plugin releases, um, anything that's just of interest to the WordPress community. So yeah, that that kind of got turned around and built in the weekend. Uh, I think we saw it. We talked about it on the Friday and we officially launched it on the Monday, um, which was pretty quick. Mm. Um, which was good, yeah. And we put it together with like a it was a theme off theme forest, which had some upvote capability, and it was based around that kind of nature of the site. So yeah, really quick to put together, and we we managed to get some, you know, quite good initial exposure from some tweets that we put out. Uh, the WP Tavern did an article about it, which sent us a bunch of traffic, and yeah, lo- lots of people sort of took it up and started using it. So we've seen about, I think, let me just double check that the last time I looked, there was a number of people. Who, you have to register on the site to uh, post and to upvote. So we've got a number of users on the site. We've got 407 people on the site since we launched on the 6th of July, which I think is pretty good. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, that's been exciting. And it's also been quite a fun thing to launch because normally I launch something, put a tweet out, and it just gets, you know, tumbleweeds. Mm-hmm. But this really grew and you know, took on a, a thing of its own. So that was really exciting. And, you know, first couple of days, checking traffic and checking stats. And like it's definitely an adrenaline rush of launching and having, uh, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a massive launch, not exactly viral, but, you know, in, in relative terms for me, that was a big launch. Mm-hmm. So that was fun, definitely. Yeah, nice. I'm curious um, to know when you said about afterwards, kind of, you know, getting that adrenaline rush and kind of, stuff did you have to deal with anything post-launch like any issues with the site or you know how do you think that affected you in terms of like basic things like did you lose any sleep over it did you like kind of worry that will go down overnight or anyone was going to use it or you know or anything like that did it did it affect how you do things on a day-to-day basis you know where was there any kind of after effects of launching this thing and actually seeing you know it kind of go better than you expected I guess yeah, I mean, I didn't really lose too much sleep to start with. I mean, we I was excited about it over the weekend, and then when we launched it on the Monday, it kind of just took off. So it pretty much consumed that Monday. I did, you know, got some stuff done, but it was it was at the forefront of my mind for most of that day. Mm. Um, nothing, nothing went too bad. We, you know, had a few bugs that we fixed quite quickly, and and it was nice not being a solo project because obviously Ash and I were both working on it that we could shoulder the burden of any fixes, like he could do some bits and I could do some others, and then we'd get it done in double the time, kind of a quick time. So that was good. Um, but yeah, no, it was... like it, It's obviously died down a bit now, and, and we're just, we put it into what we're de- treating as maintenance mode, which is checking in on the site. Most days, I'm just tweeting some links out from the 
WP content um, Twitter account of like popular articles that have been upvoted for that day. And so there's not a huge amount of management. A couple of couple of issues with spam, like people signing up and just posting spammy links, mm-hmm. um, which we need to address and improve on. Um, but no, it's it, it's gone well, and like it's not been in terms of the site as well. We we're hosting it on spinupwp.com, obviously, because that's something that we're both part of, um, and it's heavily page cached. So in terms of like, it's only on a one gig. DigitalOcean droplet, and in terms of the traffic hit that it took, it it handled it completely fine. Um, mm. So I didn't really worry about it going down as such. Or it's just a few little bugs here and there, like you know people having issues if they logged in. You could register with your email address, but you could also log in via um, Twitter or Facebook. And there was a couple of bugs with that, which we we patched quickly. So yeah, no. It, in terms of an, a technical launch, it went really smoothly as well as you know from a successful marketing side of it as well. Um, so yeah, all, all good, and it's quite exciting future for it as well because obviously we're using, as I said, this like theme forest theme and a plugin that does the upvoting and it does the registration stuff. But it's it's a prime example of a community website, which is my bread and butter when it comes to WP User Manager. So. We've got plans to reskin it with a better looking theme or a nicer theme that's a bit more simple, not so bloated with tons of JavaScript files. And, you know, like a, it's got a Google font that gives you that flash of unstyled text before it actually loads. And we'll be migrating it to WP User Manager, which will handle the login, the social login, the user verification. Because at the moment, you could just sign up, nobody's verified. Yeah, they can instantly sign up, post upvote and there needs to be a little bit more uh of a of a gate there before um we allow people to do what they want to do because obviously we've seen some spammy people on it yeah um and yeah so it and it's going to be a great not a showcase but a, a way of showing what wp user manager can do because it will have the functionality and it is going to drive other add-ons for me to build for WP User Manager because at the moment I can't migrate the site to WP User Manager because there's not like quite a parity in features. Mm-hmm. We're missing the ability to submit posts from the front end, but that's an add-on that's being developed, so that's very close. The upvoting is basically like a like. You can like users can like content, and that's not anything that I've got at the moment, but it will drive me to build it and then kind of use it as a showcase for WP user manager. So actually, you know, as much as we wanted to put the site together for the community, I think it will help us in our personal endeavors at the same time, which is, is only going to be a good thing because it'll keep us interested in running it, pushing it forward. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, absolutely. It's good. Uh, exciting. Yeah, quite. I suppose there's a, an option for sponsored content as well, which you can sort of filter into uh, you know something you've got the trending section with the upvotes and everything but I suppose if something was sponsored you could show it in various positions sell different positions in the in that section or on you know in the sidebar or even above the trending section so it's the first thing you see that kind of thing there's there's not suggest you do that just saying there's lots of options which is nice to explore yeah definitely and and as you say that we we had you know first or second day people emailing saying I'd like to pay for promoted content um, we had some people talking about sponsoring it as well, exclusively. 
which was great to hear, but we've not really got any immediate plans for that at the moment. We just wanted to get it up and running and get it going and get some traction. Hmm. Uh, and we'll look at that a bit later down the line. Um, and it was going back to that as well. We, Because obviously it's a replacement really for managewp.org. They currently have a landing page or a holding page on that domain that just says, look, managewp.org, it's been a great ride, but unfortunately we've, we've closed the doors um, because it's not our sort of primary concern anymore. And here's some links to places where you can get WordPress news and information and articles. And it was like the WP Tavern, uh, the Master WP newsletter, Alex Denning and, and Ben's newsletter, mm-hmm. um, and, so, and the face, a link to just Facebook groups about WordPress. And we contacted them actually and said, look, we love Managed WP. Sad to see it's shut down, but this is what we've done and hopefully it can be serve as a replacement. And they've added a link to that, which has been... That's been great to have. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's it's sort of set up for the future. And sponsorship is probably a thing that we'll consider in the future. But at the moment, it's just an independent project that is just for the community, which I think was sort of needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose once you've got the kind of user approval and kind of that side of the registration process set up and gated, like you say, then you could probably automate those tweets that are going out as well on like, you know, the most popular thing of the day and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, massively. Like the, I'd be. I'm using Buffer at the moment to schedule those tweets, but like I've used Buffer's API in the past to automatically schedule tweets, and and having that automation will be essential to make it easier to manage. But at the moment, it's just upfront dev that we don't need. At the moment, I can just keep on top of it manually, have a look at what's going on, what's being posted, check out if there's any spammy stuff, check out if the you know what the quality of the content is, and you know it's, it's lovely to see sort of top names in wordpress in terms of businesses and content blogs and places like kinster and web dev studios are posting on there mm. um so it's yeah it's something that is nice to be eyeballing daily even though like the automation would be sweet but yeah it's for the future there's loads to do to it yeah absolutely yeah and no, it's good um i haven't registered yet um just because i don't have a huge amount to share i don't produce a huge amount of content to share i don't think but um, yeah. I will definitely register to put my plugin on there when it launches, which I'm hoping will be in a, kind of a couple of weeks' time, um, actually. I've been beavering away nice. on the website um, for the last couple of weeks and making good progress with it. And um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's weird, actually, because I haven't had to launch you know, a, a product um, for a very long time, for years, really. And not like a full blown from scratch kind of thing and it's it, there's a it's that headspace that you need to be able to plan it out that's things like what pages do you need um you know what what does the layout of the pages what does the user journey look like when going into my account and taking those things that I've learned from better notifications and putting them into user notifications which is this one and just yeah just trying to work it out trying to distill all of that information all that learning i've done from the last couple of years and and put it into this new site and you just make it more simple um which i'm really enjoying and feel like i'm doing quite a good job of um but also it's things like all the theme like putting together the theme you know all the templating or and um you know partials and all that sort of stuff the various bits of the themes i've done a lot of that in the last couple of years and again, it's distilling down all that sort of knowledge that I've acquired into how best to kind of lay out the site. Um, and 
it was really because I've worked on these really, really big sites that needed all this kind of huge amount of templating and partials and things like that, that I actually learned more about it rather than just doing kind of individual page templates like I was doing before when I was just building themes kind of day to day. And I've been able to use that in this and it's been great. It's been really good fun. And, and you know, I quite like all of that planning. How do you construct a WordPress theme? How do you construct a website? How do you kind of take all of that information and make it better? And, you know, and then seeing opportunities to kind of refine it as you're going. I've really enjoyed that process, especially knowing that it's all my own project, which is really, really nice. I haven't done I would say I kind of haven't done that before, not not in this way anyway. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. But anyway, long story long, I'll put uh, I'm good at that. I will put um, I'll put a link to it on dopycontent.io uh, when it's when nice. it's up and going. Nice. It's, uh, it does sound good, and that you it's good that you're getting closer to it because, like, just picking up on what you said about how much you've got to actually plan and get involved in building a launch or building a site to launch a product from scratch because the difference don't you think the difference between what you would have done for the initial launch of bnfw back whenever it was compared to now the the amount of stuff you have to think about for a launch now is is incredible um because over you know bnfw whenever it was released in 2010 2011 you know 2013 Mm -hmm. it would have been a much simpler launch it would have been the plugin on .org the website some and the pro add-ons like you would and it probably would have just been it but now it's like you have to think of the, as you say the user journey the account section like stuff that you would have probably iterated on over time and imp- and improved but obviously with launching for a product today you want it all done you want it all perfect because you've learned all of that and you've got it with your other product so it means the amount of work up front that you have to do even though you can obviously take bits from other projects and you know, you're improving how quickly you do things because you've done it time and time again for clients. But yeah, just thinking about the amount of stuff needed for a new product launch is quite scary to get all done. It is, And on your own as well. Yeah, you highlighted it quite well there and actually me. And then I think eventually I created a page on my madewithfuel.com website just to kind of highlight that it was part of my, you know, portfolio of stuff that I've done, I guess. And then I listed out the short codes that were available to use in the plugin on that website as well. And then I created BNFW or better notifications for WP.com when the add-ons were about to come out as well. And then I just sent a redirect from my website to uh, the new website. And then I populated it with you know all the content like documentation, everything like that. So it became a really good repository for all the documentation. So I was able to kind of take some of it out of the readme and put it into you know the website and then when uh, I was selling add-ons that's when I could start putting it on there so it's quite an organic kind of process starting quite simple in just a one readme.txt file moving all the way up to a fully fledged kind of store but this is everything in one go and the difference is is that there's no wp.org version it's just a premium plugin so everything has to go on this website and it has to be clear as well um, but also it's, it's been really useful because you know I've made this plugin and I haven't kind of made it in a bubble obviously I've been looking at what's out there and and everything like that and I've been and I planned it all out it was just a markdown document at first I just planned it all out before I did any 
building of it at all and even had some ideas that I thought oh well, this would be good but it definitely I definitely won't be doing that on the first version I'll do that like kind of later on and so I had a kind of a rough kind of roadmap for things and then as I kind of coded it I increased the roadmap again and everything and then I moved all those little points in my markdown document to a new Trello board which was better for you know ticking things off for the version one release and then I did the same with the website um, in that same Trello board and sort of highlighting these are the documentation pages that I, I know I'm going to need. But then it it doesn't necessarily give you a good way of laying out those pages or like understanding the structure of them and how they're going to link together and what pages you'll actually need necessarily. And it wasn't till I, I realized that what I knew it was going to have to do is actually use my plugin. And as I'm going through each stage, write a bit of documentation about that. So like I've got a little bit and it's only a, a small piece. It's the user journey, and I haven't done that on better notifications, but it's prompted me to do that because I realized that you have to make it clear when you install this plugin, this is what the user can expect, this is what you can expect. And it's something so simple, it's just a few bullet points. User does this, this happens, that happens, user gets this, you're done, kind of thing. And it wasn't to, yeah, looking at the plugin, looking at the documentation and writing it all out from scratch and trying to explain what I've created to somebody, uh, that it made me realize I need to be clearer with my documentation and I, I think I've done quite a good job of it now I think I've explained all parts of the plugin without being over the top if you see what I mean <clears throat> mm. so yeah it's been good anyway it's it's been a process and I and I've thoroughly enjoyed the entire thing that's, I think that's what I'm trying to get across really I've just really enjoyed myself Recently, Ian and I had a chat with John Tavis of our current sponsor, Fastspring, all about their WordPress plugin and how Fastspring can integrate with your WordPress website. Let's have a listen. Thanks for talking to us. And it would be good to, to understand more about how Fastspring works for um, people who are selling WordPress plugins. Um, and we know that you've got a WordPress plugin to use. So is it possible to tell us a little bit about how that works? Um, so here about two or three years ago, uh, we started seeing a really big increase in traffic from the number of people that are using WordPress and wanting to sell online. And people were attracted to Fastspring uh, because of our merchant of record selling. Uh, Fastspring is a merchant of record e-seller, which means that we take control of the selling aspect of their product. So uh, Fastspring at its root really becomes a reseller of their product. And what that does is it really lifts a lot of the heavy lifting off of the that developer. So they don't need to worry about taxes being probably one of the biggest ones or compliance issues or fraud or getting merchant accounts with all the different payment gateways that go through someone like Fastspring. Uh, and we take care of all of that heavy lifting for them to make it really easy so they can focus on their business. Uh, since we did start seeing an increase in WordPress users coming and wanting to use us, uh, it is very simple to integrate Fastspring directly into a WordPress site. It's a simple JavaScript library that will allow you to interact uh, with our, our store builder library is what we call it. Now, the reason why I created the WordPress plugin is because there were a lot of developers out there that had a WordPress site, 
but were not necessarily WordPress developers. They were selling something else. Uh, so they wanted something that was uh, self-contained and they could just install it and it would just work. So uh, that's when I took it upon myself to go ahead and build out our integration with WordPress through this WordPress plugin. So somebody can be up and selling with FastSpring in the course of a few hours instead of a few weeks or months of development time. Nice. Uh, I think that's a really uh, that's a good point to make out because I've, with our talks with FastSpring and the things that I've um, understood in our research of the platform, I've come at it from basically my situation, which is I'm selling WordPress plugins on a WordPress site. But of course, what you've just said is anybody selling anything digitally with a WordPress site would use FastSpring and therefore would be using the WordPress plugin to make it easier because, as you say, they're not developers. Um, exactly. So is it a case of you might, they will manage their products on FastSpring.com and then the WordPress plugin kind of just sucks all of that information about the products uh, on their site and then it allows them to do pop-up checkout and um, all of that stuff with, you know, one click activation, a couple of bits of configuration. Yeah. So uh, the, the fast spring application is what controls the pricing of that product, any of the icons, the descriptions, all of the localization of that uh, and all of the pricing. And then what the WordPress plugin does is it, uses that store builder library, which is that communicator between the two, to pull in that information and display it out on the page. So if you wanted to display a product's price on a page, uh, we have a, a block that can put that block right in there, or we have for the classic editor, uh, you know, a uh, sort of a short code in order to put that in there, and it's gonna pull that information directly onto your site. And so, anything that is inside of FastSpring regarding the product can be pulled in as well as creating uh, you know, your buy buttons and a full featured shopping cart that is only using FastSpring for the data. So that's the other part of the WordPress plugin that really expanded it was uh, it's very simple to integrate a one-to-one. -one. You have one product that you're selling uh, and that is that goes directly from add this item to my cart and start paying for it. And that's a very simple integration. But if you have multiple products or you wanna have multiple quantity, uh, either line items or quantity, then you need to have some sort of functionality of a shopping cart so that people can then continue shopping, change quantities, things like that. And that's the other big aspect of the WordPress plugin that we took away from people having to develop all of that. Nice, yeah, that does sound good because, you know, we, we're both using an e-commerce plugin to manage that process and obviously do the selling part of our products, um, which is not without its issues and um, testing every time there's a release of that plugin and kind of things that break and, so presumably your plugin doesn't change a huge amount because it does the communication and any perhaps changes happen on the FastSpring 
um, side and it, it's that communicator um, aspect that just allows it to, to, to work simply. Correct. Yeah. There, you know, there's been a, a handful of releases, but it's not something that I need to uh, update at every re revision of WordPress. Uh, you know, when Gutenberg came out, I obviously needed to make a big change fundamentally in how the plugin worked. Uh, but then, you know, beyond, beyond that, it is adding in new features or, uh, you know, requests from our client base that are asking for this type of feature. I'm just curious that like you said that there's this connection between um, Fastspring and the plugin and you've got a product and you know you kind of go through the process of purchasing it and checking out is that cached in some way on the WordPress site or is that just purely like a live link between the two sites at all times oh, you stole my question Jack <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we store a session uh, that is uh, a shared session between their WordPress site and the FastSpring application. Uh, so there's a, a session that's stored on our server and there's a temporary store session stored in local storage, which holds this information so that we can have a little bit of bi-directional communication between them that works with that store builder library. So if you're changing quantities on the WordPress side of things, we can reflect those at the FastSpring side and here recently we released a, an actual cart built into the pop-up checkout uh, so any changes that are made there will rewrite that local storage temporary session and update the cart on the wordpress side as well okay great uh, does it extra to jack's question does it say for example you you know you've got five products in in your fast spring account and they off, they don't change at all. Is that data kind of cached in the WordPress side of things? So it doesn't constantly go, well, what products have you got to list them out on an index page kind of thing? So, uh, no, we do not cache any of the products in the WordPress database at all. Uh, it is all being controlled through the store builder library. Mm -hmm. uh, very rarely do people wholesale dump out a catalog page from the WordPress plugin. Uh, I did create a, a catalog block for uh, the new editor. However, not many people are using that because they really wanna create a product page that talks about all of the things for that product rather than just uh, a traditional, here's a little blurb about this product uh, in a box and listing them all out. So uh, although we can do that, not many people really do because they're really, it's their marketing site and their selling site all in one, uh, especially with our demographic of being mostly digital goods. Uh, they have their products. They don't have thousands of products that they need to have listed out that way. Typically, it's somebody has between one and 20. And 20 would be a high end for a number of products that somebody has. But occasionally yeah. we get... Yeah, it's not it's not the same as a sort of a an e-commerce shop that's selling yeah. clothes or goods or physical things that you might have tons of stock that you need to list. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, does it ha does Fastspring itself handle you know pricing variations? So you could have, um, you know, 
a plugin, but then has three tiers of, of prices for that plugin. So we have a lot of different ways to handle that through uh, our various offers. So traditionally in something like WooCommerce, you have uh, uh, things like cross-sells or upsells or alternatives for a particular product. All of that is built into FastSpring and the data that's being passed over through that store builder library is what's controlling that. So in your example of uh, an alternative or a gold, silver, bronze type of situation, uh, we have three different products that are set up as alternatives to each other. So you add one of them into your cart and then you're presented with the option to upgrade or downgrade depending on which level that you're at. Uh, and that would be a replacement. Uh, same thing could be done with uh, an upsell as well. So an upsell is a re replacement of that item in the cart. Uh, all of this data is being passed back and with that cart that was built into the plugin, all of that information is displayed on their site. So FastSpring becomes the source of truth in regards to all the pricing about that particular product and the behavior of that product once it's in your cart. So changing uh, you know, a particular, uh, uh, putting something on sale or promoting another cross-sell type of item is all done in a single place inside of FastSpring and that communicator, that store builder library that sits in between there is interpreting that data and putting it onto your website. Nice, yeah, I saw that on your WordPress plugin documentation that you have that kind of upsell slash cross-sell inside the checkout modal, which is, which is actually really nice. And I think it, we, you know, we'd be searching for a custom add-on or, or some custom code to, to recreate that kind of um, functionality in either WooCommerce or EDD, easy digital downloads. So it's quite, it is nice to have that there. Yeah, um, and, and it makes things really nice if, uh, you know, we have the ability with FastSpring, one of, one of the things that separates FastSpring from other merchant of record e-seller companies like FastSpring is uh, we actually implemented, uh, you know, these product level discounts where just like a retailer, you can put something on sale for a specific amount of time and provide that discount to it. And you can put in a beginning and ending date and time. And when that date time comes around, your website will automatically be changed to reflect that new price. And it will show that discount. Nice. Um, I guess coming at it, going back to how I was thinking before about selling WordPress plugins, obviously on a WordPress site, what's the, the, how we, I guess, are selling things or plugins with, or plugins or themes, things that you would typically generate a license key for the user and you might, you know, the kind of the de facto way of selling a WordPress plugin is you do yearly renewals and you um, limit use to a certain amount of sites for that license key. How does that work with FastSpring? Is there provision for that? And I mean, obviously you talk about a lot of customers using WordPress, but have you got many customers selling, like Ruth, who we've talked to, WordPress plugins? We do have a number of people that are using it to sell WordPress plugins. Uh, one important distinction here is that 
Fastspring is going to be the seller of that product. Uh, we're not a DRM. And uh, so we have the aspect of being able to connect out to a DRM, uh, but that's not built directly into Fastspring. Okay, so uh, a lot of people are using different, either homegrown or off the shelf type of license generators and DRMs in order uh, to provide that functionality. Uh, and then if it's a subscription-based product, you can determine you know, whether or not that license key is generated at each billing and there's a new license key, or if we're just using our webhooks in order to pass information to that license or that DRM company that says, hey, these guys are current. We, they've paid for this provide them access to whatever it is that you're selling. Okay. Yeah. That it's good to have that distinction made and to understand that. I think, um, what typical DRMs do people use when they're connecting with Fastspring? Oh boy. So, um, here recently we've seen, I know that you guys are really interested in the WordPress side of things. So, mm -hmm. uh, most, most of the WordPress guys, are going to be providing access uh, based off of a, a homegrown system. So they're consuming a webhook uh, from Fastspring that a subscription has become active. And then their, their plugin or their theme is making a, a, a phone home to find out if this is still valid or not. So it's mostly homegrown as far as the WordPress community is involved. But mm -hmm. on a broader scope, uh, Nalpurion, Quick License Man Manager, uh, Armadillo, just a simple predefined uploaded list of serial numbers, uh, generating a list based off of a, a script or generating a license key based off of a script. So uh, obfuscating you know, the date of the purchase and the customer's first and last name, something like that, running it through an algorithm to get a hash and get that information back. There's you know, a ton of different ways that you can generate that license. Uh, but most people are doing a call out, a remote server call that is making a call out to an endpoint. And from there, they're either generating that license themselves or they're reaching out to a third party DRM in order to generate that license. Okay, gotcha. Thanks. I have looked at a little bit of different ways of, of building something like that into the WordPress plugin, honestly. Um, and what I found is that uh, most everyone that we talk to has something in place already that they want to integrate with, rather than are looking to change everything at once. Change their, their e-commerce, change their licensing, change their DRM change all of that at once. So, uh, you know, most people are just looking at, let's keep our product the way that this works today. We just wanna take uh, all of our merchant accounts off or take the taxes out of our hands that so we don't have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense because taxes are a massive pain and, and not, not from the traditional sense of having to pay them, but just having to worry about them from an e-commerce point of view which was definitely a question I, I had about um 
that the EU, obviously we're both based in the UK and we have the EU VAT stuff that came in, VATMOS a few years ago. Um, obviously Fast Springs is a US company. How is it handling um, tax with different regions and, and EU VAT and stuff like that? We, we tech, uh, collect uh, taxes around the world. Anywhere that uh, we're required to collect taxes, we do. So uh, we have a whole finance team that does that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it is, you know, quarterly paying out to, I don't know, 75 or 100 different countries, the taxes that are due for those different areas or those different regions uh, on, a, on a quarterly basis. And, you know, our team has to do that. And yes, we have a lot more transactions going through, but as a small publisher of software, if you have, if you hit that threshold, you're going to need that same type of team in place in order to pay that around. Uh, to pay it out everywhere that you're doing business at. And it's getting more and more confusing every day. Um, that with all of the different uh, countries in Europe, you know, each country has a different VAT rate. Uh, mm. But once you start looking into the United States, uh, there are at a minimum 50 different tax rates for the different states in the United States. But then it also breaks it down into subregions inside of those states, cities, and even portions of cities. So hundreds just here in the United States of potentially different tax rates. Gotcha. So, so I guess actually it's a good time to make that distinction. Because Fast Springs is effectively the reseller, or the uh, it, it's Fast Spring who are paying the taxes and they're liable for the tax rather than the individual merchants. Is that correct? Yes. So Fastspring is selling that product to the customer. And if taxes are needed to be remitted for that, we collect those. And then we remit them off to the country that's needed. Uh, the way that this is actually working from a, uh, you know, a, a flow chart type of scenario is when a customer purchases uh, from Fastspring, as soon as that purchase is made, we immediately make a purchase against the, the customer that is selling the product. So the developer of this application. And we make a, a micro transaction with them immediately to buy that license from them. That's how that reseller model works. Gotcha. Uh, it's all paperwork or, you know, accounting, but that, that's the actual flow of it. So yes, if we fail to collect taxes uh, for uh, Spain, for example, if we fail to collect taxes for Spain for uh, six months, we, we're still accountable to remit all of those taxes, not, not the developer of uh, the product. Since Fastspring is the one that sold it, we're required to collect those and remit those. I mean, I don't know about you, Jack, but that sounds so much easier than having to worry about um, collecting the tax correctly, as you say, remitting it and having all of that in place as a small company, as a small software company, like that's just such a headache. Um, 
and I don't even think I don't even know if I'm doing it correctly with my end so that's a that's a a good feature I think that's an impressive feature it is yeah absolutely yeah if I was if I wasn't saying much it's just because of listening to it and taking it all on board and almost like I was part of a, someone else's pod listening into someone else's podcast for a minute there. Cause it was just so interesting to hear all of that. Um, and I can totally see why, why people don't, you know, they, they don't want to worry about that stuff. Like, you know, developers like things like licensing and stuff like that comes part of what you want to do as a developer, you know, make sure your software, your, your baby, your software is kind of looked after and licensing is all part of that. But when it comes to selling it and taxes and everything that kind of goes with kind of issuing that, then you, you're not, you, you don't want to do that. You want to offload that to someone else. And I can completely understand and see where Fastbring comes in there. And it, especially with the tax and the, the Fastbring kind of removes you again from that process and they take the tax and pay that tax on your behalf it just yeah it really simplifies things massively and the number of conversations that i have with people that are either ignorant to the fact that they need to be collecting these taxes or they have gone so far without collecting those taxes that they're willing to risk it is pretty scary in my mind that you know once they do get found out then they are on the hook for those taxes, for those back taxes, and they have to pay them, but they never collected that. So that comes right out of their pocket. Yeah, that's a scary thought. It's, I think the way I've always approached it is try to be, try and do the best I can to, to work within the guidelines of collecting taxes and stuff, but it's just such a pain. Um, and the amount of time it's, it takes every quarter to fill out the returns and, make the payments and yeah, not, not good. So we've had a number of different uh, businesses that we've worked with that just simply changing over to Fastspring, not changing anything else in their, their checkout process, but just going to Fastspring uh, really allowed them to take those, that human resource that they had that was taking that and apply it towards their marketing team. and. and a direct one-to-one -one relationship or put it towards their development team and then they're growing faster and that's what they're trying to do yeah absolutely yes. yeah good point and presumably well with the eu kind of you know focus as well not not just obviously the focus on the eu but the understanding of all the tax going on in the eu there's that understanding of gdpr compliancy and everything that kind of goes with that is that right Yes, Fastbring's completely GDPR compliant. Uh, we had all of that in place well before uh, it was required. Uh, and we have all of the, the switches in place so that we can, uh, you know, forget a, uh, a, a consumer if needed. Nice. Yeah, GDPR is one of those other headaches that sort of small developers and software companies just had to spend far too much time um, away from actually developing or marketing their products just for compliance. So yeah, another good feature. Um, John, it's been really good talking to you. Thanks very much for your time to come on and, uh, and explain to us um, a bit more about, you know, Fastspring as the service and the WordPress uh, integration. It's, it's been really interesting. Um, 
yeah, we appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you for having me. And so talking about your new plugin, uh, side question, does it have notices in the WP admin dashboard that it shows to people? <laughs> no, it doesn't have notices. <clears throat> I think I mentioned this before. The uh, I've got one notice in BNFW, and that is uh, only shown in the BNFW screens. And it's really just if it is more of a recommendation to install post SMTP slash email log plugin because installing an SMTP plugin on your site will improve things, uh, improve email delivery for your entire site, not just for BNFW. And the email log mm. will let you know what's going on with it a bit better. And I find that most people, before they've even set up SMTV, SMTP, they put in a um, they put on an email log, and they can see emails going out, but they're not being received, and the issue lies elsewhere. So that's the only one I've ever used or ever had. Um, and I'd have to, and I don't think I've added one in a theme or anything actually. But um, yeah, no, it doesn't. Long story long again. You know, it does not use admin notices. It doesn't need to. Do, are you? guessing why i've asked that did you read the freemius article i did read the freemius article and also i've seen it on your whilst we've been talking and i've been checking out wpcontent.io i've i noticed it's on the the home page there as well um and yeah. i think the, the one you're referring to yeah is the title stop blaming plugin developers for too many wordpress admin notices yeah it's such a funny one because the story behind this is basically everybody knows that when you look at a wordpress site if you go to the dashboard, you're going to get completely pelted with notices that are being added by various different plugins on the site. Like I see it all the time. I log into a, client, a user's site to do some debugging for one of my plugins. And like they set you up as an admin user. So if you're a new person, all these notices have never been shown before. So you just get them straight at you. And, and yeah, it's just a wall of... Um, you know, orange, blue, red, green notices with some massive ones, loads of links, loads of buttons, loads of call to actions. And it's just, it is spam. It looks horrendous. Um, mm. And I think, was it recently, Scott Bollinger tweeted about it, just how bad it was. Um, yeah. And I think most people probably agree with that, which has then prompted Vova Feldman from Freemius to just to write almost like the the counterpoint to it like don't you're, you're basically having to go at plugin authors for doing it for adding their notices um but it's not it's, you know stop blaming them it's not their fault necessarily that like plugin authors are doing their best to provide good features and good um experience or you know good features for plugins uh for for users and it's not kind of their fault that core allows them to do this and maybe it's more of a, a core issue rather than a plugin developer issue. I mean, where do you, do you blame the, the developers? Do you blame core? What do you think? I'm, I'm more on the side of blaming developers um, than mm. I am to core. That's not to say that, <clears throat> that core is not responsible. Ultimately it's there. It's, it's the work, you know, you, you can submit patches and, you know, you can make recommendations, but ultimately it's up to, you know, the people at WordPress to be able to provide the mechanisms for people to be able to do this. This is a problem and that's what Scott's highlighting. But at the same time, the plugin developer community has a responsibility not to abuse a system and to keep 
in touch with what's going on in the WordPress development sphere. And if someone is saying this is a problem, you know, maybe you look at your plugin and go, oh, you know what, we have that. We have several notices that appear on various screens or whatever. How can we do it differently? Can we do it differently? Can we put it in a sidebar on this screen instead of at the top? You know, can can we change that? Or do we need it at all? Are we abusing that system? You know, and I think you have to look at what you're doing. Um, and it made me, once I read the article, it made me think about, do I need that admin notice at the top? Because, you know, to me, I only ever see one. And I most of the time I see plugins with only one, a couple of admin notes. It's rare that I see more than about three in some way. But mm. if I'm one of those people and mine's at the bottom or something or at the top where it's most prominent, then maybe someone's going to think, oh, not another one. And they're going to think my plugin is the one on top, the cherry on top of the cake that is uh, being destroyed, uh, that is admin notices. But uh, yeah, I do think it's I do think it's developers. You don't have to use it for everything. WordPress has given you that mechanism. You don't have to use it. There are lots of mechanisms in WordPress that you don't have to use. Um, I, I think... I think there's. you could argue that the same responsibility is around whether you put your um, plug-in settings as a top-level menu item in the sidebar mm. yeah. or, or yeah. underneath something else. And, and, and arguably, as well, WordPress originally wanted you to put everything under settings. So everyone's yeah. plug-in settings should be there. But of course... It makes it, and, and that makes sense. That makes that makes a lot of sense. But it's not consistent. There's never been any rules on it, really. You know, there's been advice and guidance, and I think this is the problem: is that the water's very muddy, and something has to be done about it. Interestingly, in that article, actually, um, Katie Keith from Barn Two um, put in mm. some really good comments. I thought, and ultimately, she says, and and it sort of mirrors my my thoughts on it as well, in that. If it's advertising, it shouldn't be an admin notice, and it should only be on specific screens, and it should only be in specific places, and there yeah. should be, you know, more hard and fast rules about advertising for stuff. I think um, the freemium article is going on the basis of, you know, but freemium plugins, which is like kind of their their business model, up, allowing you to upgrade from free to premium plugins, um, you know, using their freemium kind of mechanisms that that causes a bit of a problem for them because you need that level of advertising you need that kind of thing but i would argue that there's different ways of doing that and that an admin notice is in my opinion definitely not the way to go about that especially admin notices that aren't dismissible or are only dismissible until you reload the page and then they're back there again well the, and this is it the dismissible issue is is a is a good one because like i was reading this the other night and then i scrolled down and came across my ugly mug in a tweet <laughs> quote, because yeah, I, I tweeted in 2018, like just how annoyed I was at the fact that like WordPress what just went half half the distance to create this way of adding dismissible admin notices, like where you can you you can add a class to a notice and it will create a little X, so you can actually dismiss it and it will disappear. It just comes back again on page reload because they haven't actually added like a, a proper API that persists that user choice to say, mm -hmm. oh, this notice with this key or whatever, this user has dismissed it. So record that so it never be shown again. Like they've just gone half the distance to say, well, we'll add the pretty sort of front end side of it, but we'll leave it up to you to, to roll your own code to do this, which then nobody ever does or it's badly done. And it's mm -hmm. just, yeah, that, that's, that is bad. And it's just a showing how core 
needs to be a bit more opinionated with how it tells plugin developers to do things. Um, but yeah, it's or provide an example. Right, you know, like in the plugin handbook, you know, here's the class you need to do to add the cross and click close and whatnot. And then below in the, um, you know, you've got the source code and then you've got kind of com um, user committed kind of uh, bits of code snippets at the bottom. Have something there. Get just as you're writing the article, finish writing the article and then say, well, if you want to make this permanently dismissible, dismissible over a period of time, here's a code snippet that help you do that. At least provide yeah. some way of helping people in on that journey. Well, it sh and it shouldn't be that hard. And, and obviously with saying that with air quotes, because whenever you say that in technology, like it's not that hard to do this. It's obviously longer than you think, but it should be straightforward to, to have the API that says, right, if you're adding this class, this dismissible class, then you need to add a, a data attribute or something to an ID to the notice. And that ID is then used in the user meta to say this notice for this user has been dismissed and then mm -hmm. the notice will never be shown again but that needs that obviously needs work around that um and i think at least core when it going back to the notices the admin notices in general core are creating a, a project uh the wp notify initiative to try and improve that but like vova points out like i think barry i'm not going to even try and pronounce his surname but barry who's the developer behind like a related post plugin um, did a, a plugin that just basically wrapped all admin notices and put them in the menu bar and mm. like as a proper drop down with the notifications indicator that how many were unread or whatever and that's perfect like that seems good but it obviously just never got taken up um, and the WP Notify project seems to have rolled on for a while and not got very far to 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 put in anything really substantial in place so no, yeah I do blame I want to say I saw some but, news about it the other day actually um, but I might I might have another look into that. Um, it looks like that kind of notice bar, um, no, getting all the notices and putting them in a manageable place within the WP admin bar. Um, I had a look at that, um, and it's it's no longer developed by the looks of it. It's and it's broken. Yeah. It's it's broken with more yeah. recent versions of WordPress, which is a real shame. Um, yeah. But it, it would be so fantastic to have something like that. I mean, it doesn't go the whole way, but it does go some way just to clearing these things up a little bit and making it easier. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily as obvious as an admin notice that something is going on on your site by having it kind of stuck in the corner with a little like badge with a one or a three or 50, or how many admin notices you got in there. And who knows what it looks like when you've got lots of admin notices in there. But it would yeah. be really nice to be able to just hide them all away or have them under some kind of even as a as a go between have them under some sort of collapsible section at the top of the screen saying you know with one admin notice that says you have multiple admin notices you know then you can click yeah, to expand yeah. them all or something i think my although i am putting some blame on core here i think i probably ultimately disagree with vova and not to blame the plugin developers because even if you had a better api to to submit notes or to register notices that were displayed in a better way that didn't just create a huge page like above the fold above the scroll for all these notices if you did that plugin developers would still find a way to get you know to them essential notices or essential information to upsell their plugins like you know he, he even picks up on the fact that the yoast did that black friday banner like mm. 
if people want to do stuff, they will get find a way to do it and find a way to try and show. Like if that's if that's a massive plugin like uh, WordPress SEO Yoast doing that, like they'll do that in another way. It doesn't it doesn't matter if the notices API gets better improved. Like plugin plugin developers have the responsibility to be to play kind of not fair or nice, but just think about the users and yeah, if everybody did that it would be horrendous and unfortunately a lot of people are doing stuff like that so it does come down to me to plug in developer responsibility but mm. i'd be interested to see what other people like listeners think about it um it's a, it's obviously created a bit of a stir on twitter because i think scott was slightly um slightly put out that vova had kind of quote tweeted him and used it him as the basis of this whole article without perhaps dialoguing on twitter and and you know allowing the him to have this back and forth um but yeah this is this is the wordpress world and it's it does spark good um conversations and and possibly something will come further or because of this and maybe wp notify will get more resource or more impetus to to get something in place so it's only a good thing and i think it generally it's friendly dialogue but yeah it's i, I do think plugin developers have that responsibility yeah, I no, I I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good to hear both sides of the argument. I'm always keen to hear both sides because um, it does give you some food for thought, you know, something you haven't necessarily thought about. It's very easy to form an opinion on it and it's very difficult to then change it, um, I think, sometimes. So it's it's nice to be able to see both sides. But uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, like you say, it will spark, spark some conversation and maybe something will get done. Maybe someone goes, you know that... WP Notify really need to talk about that more. You know, it's causing a stir. Things are happening. We need to kind of push that forward a bit. You never know. Yeah, and I think that you're right because core development is only ever as um, the focus of certain things is only as good as the people that are there turning up day in, day out and contributing and saying, look, I think we should address this. If, if nobody's doing that, then things don't get worked on and it's easy for us as kind of core bystanders to comment and to and to make judgments on how core doesn't do this or does do this or the slow progress of things but it's only due to the people that turn up so it's yeah it i do appreciate because i know jonathan basenga's the guy trying to push forward with wp notify and it's you know he's got a job family life everything else that goes with um development that kind of it's it's hard for him to then put time aside for volunteering effectively but these people are important to the community so mm. as much as i might sound a bit um annoyed with the pace of things i still value their commitment and contribution yeah yeah ditto of course yeah um cool well it's probably a good time to wrap it up i guess jack if you're unless you're you want to go over anything else but yeah as i said it'd be nice to get people's opinions on this and see what they think especially if there's any plugin developers who are listeners um but yeah good to chat as yeah. usual yeah absolutely yeah and and if you like this podcast and um you know think we have something valuable to say um please leave us re on a, a review it's pressingmatters.fm forward slash review great yeah thanks for listening talk to you next time jack yeah cheers ian speak soon